Lord, everybody. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord tonight and feel his presence. Praise the Lord. I count it a real honor to stand here right now, though I would gladly trade places with just anybody. Praise the Lord. But I'm especially thrilled because this is the church that I left evangelizing out of and uh, feel real good about being among them again tonight and in particular with my former pastor brother B.A. Spell has been such a blessing to me over the years praise the Lord and uh, my mother is here from Brazil South America flew all the way up from Brazil just to hear her son preach <laughs> so this is an unusual thing so at least you'll be here tonight to join in either the victory or the sorrow whichever it turns out to be but uh, most particularly of course all the good preachers so many of them here and God has given me the opportunity to meet many of them preach for a lot of them I was thinking as brother Shepherd was preaching that great message last night preached my third revival for him nearly eight years ago in the great metropolis of Puxico, Missouri, population 759. And one Saturday we went out and canvassed the whole city, knocked on every door in town. Bless God, I can be right in there with the rest of them saying, I canvass whole cities for Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's good to hear him preaching last night. Praise God. And the Lord is just blessing us in this conference. Looking forward to good services tomorrow. Hey, let me tell you something. This church has a reputation for letting God have his way. Let's be that way this evening. It's hard to drive a car with the emergency brake on. As long as you gun it real hard, it'll go. But let off just a little bit, then it stops almost immediately. Let's take the emergency brake off tonight. Let's not make anybody have to push real hard. Let's let the Holy Ghost move in this place and have his way. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I wonder if you'd sing a little chorus with me just once or twice before we go into the Word of God. I love him because he first loved me. Let's sing it. I love him. Him. Close your eyes and think about it. Because he first loved me and purchased my salvation. Thinking about it, sing it one more time. I love him. I love him. Do you really? Because he first loved me and purchased my salvation. 
Thank you, Jesus. Well, I've had a message in my heart for quite some time. In fact, a good while before I was asked to preach this meeting. And I put it on the slow burner. Didn't know what to do with it. Praise God. And I brought it up to the front, let it bake a while. I'm not sure that the loaf is done. But Lord being my helper, I'd like to bring a message to you. Praise God. I covet your help. I'm not feeling well in my body this evening. Uh, somebody told me back in February that the first time they ask you to preach a conference, they want you to do good. The second time they ask you is because they want you to flop. Well, we may do that tonight. Praise God. But it won't be because we haven't tried. Do you want God to speak to our hearts this evening? 1 Corinthians in the first chapter. That's where I want to begin reading tonight. Praise God. And the Lord has anointed a number of good singers to go in this direction. I feel that this is the will of God. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1 and beginning with verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confine the things that are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Two more scriptures in the beginning of the second chapter. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I would like to talk to you for a little while tonight on this subject, Rediscovering Calvary. Rediscovering Calvary. Could we all raise our hands and ask the Lord to bless us this evening? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
praise God. Come on, let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I came across some time ago a Time magazine article. It was an essay in that magazine. Tried to find it again and could not. But I remember that the title of it was Rediscovering the Wheel. And the essence of the article was that there are times about every generation when each succeeding group of people must come again to a new knowledge of the old things that have always been. The wheel has been one of the basic things of our society for as long as humankind has any history. And yet there comes a time when, in so many words, we have to go back and understand just how much we profit and benefit from it. And many other such things like it. Praise God. I ran across a recent Reader's Digest article written by a couple of men that were left-wing activists and radicals back in the 60s that had their long hair and dirty clothes and stood up and tried to stir up, praise God, uh, the hippie revolution in our society. They were avowed anti-establishment people. Praise God, their one goal is overthrow the system just any way that you can. But now it's 20 years later, and they're middle-aged, and they've cut their hair off, and they're settling down some, and they're getting some gray hairs. And now they're going back and saying, we were fools. We were naive. We were simplistic to think that we, with our feeble little ideals, praise the Lord, could overthrow the system. And now we realize that we benefit from the system. And it is the best thing. This government is the best thing under the earth, face of the sun today. Praise God. Then I saw something else that really, God, you know that a decade or two ago there was a great sexual revolution where it was popular to live together and have free love. Actually, it was free lust with no love. Praise God. One night stands were popular. Marriage rates went down. Divorce rates went up. Praise God. And people started saying, we've got to live our own lives. And we can't let a relationship tie us down. But now there are statistics to prove that people are getting tired of the liberty of this sexual revolution. And they're looking again towards marriage. And divorce rate is going down. People are looking for intimacy and caring and tenderness in a relationship again. There comes a time when we must rediscover the wheel. Hallelujah. Praise God. And if there is anything in our world today that cries out for rediscovering in the society where people are crying, hallelujah, for something that is real and genuine, something that is tangible, an experience that will not disappear with the rising of the sun. Calvary is crying out for rediscovery tonight. Praise God, we need the preaching 
of the cross such as we have never needed it before. But hear me tonight. The most desirable quality of Calvary is at the same time its most undesirable. Because humankind refuses, praise the Lord, to accept that uh, simple things in life can often be the most profound and the most powerful. We insist on thinking that when we have our many complex problems that we can only find the answer to them in intricate, praise God, in complex solutions that are hard to come by, hard to define, and hard to analyze. Praise the Lord. And so we go off searching for something that is complicated to solve our problem when that is not where we should be looking at all. Hallelujah. Praise God. But look at the day and age that Jesus came on the scene. You talk about problems in the world. Wholesale backsliding away from God. They had done it so many times that God quit talking to them. Having anything to do with them at all. Praise the Lord, the religious sect of the day. The Pharisees were warping and twisting the law of God to their own advantage. Praise God, what a terrible situation was found in that day. Nation conquering nation. Praise the Lord, Israel feeling the weight of the heel of Rome. Praise God. But the Bible said that it came as a root out of a dry ground. Praise God. The fullness of time had finally come. And God was getting ready to unveil the plan by which he would undo. Praise the Lord to provide a solution to the problems that humanity faced. But I want to ask you tonight, what was this mystery? This hidden wisdom which God had ordained from before the foundation of the world to our glory. And what was this secret that with one stroke was supposed to reverse the tragedy of the Garden of Eden? Who was the seed of a woman that was to bruise the head of the serpent? Hallelujah. What was this distant hope that all the world, praise God, hallelujah, waited on, the faithful looked for, and the prophets spoke about? What was this pivot point that unto thousands of animal sacrifices and a constant stream of blood or sacrifices pointed towards what was the remedy that the world, praise God, needed as an antidote to every heartache, fear, transgression, anxieties, distress, and struggle. What was this thing? Praise God, was it something so mysterious as to be hard to be defined? Was it one of the things that the cultured and the civilized people place so much emphasis on? Was it a piece of detailed sculpture? Was it a masterful, praise God, painting with colors to enrapture the beholder? Was it a great musical composition or rendition with strains to lift the downcast soul of the weary and the troubled? Was it a huge, ornate monument? Was it a sinister or mysterious the pyramid, obelisk, or sphinx? Was it a great edifice or some other great feat of, of architectural accomplishment? Praise God, was it a great breakthrough 
of invention to help us travel the lands, sail the seas, wing the skies, or traverse space? Was it a microscope to study the invisible, a telescope to scan the heavens, or some kind, praise the Lord, of electronic breakthrough that would improve our communication and electronics? Was it a laboratory? full of gurgling test tubes and steaming petri dishes. Praise God, was it a great university complex of academic education? Was it a huge, praise the Lord, hospital with all the medical facilities and free services for whoever would come? Was it a award-winning center of renown for the aged, the fatherless, the widowed, the outcasts, and the lonely? Then surely it was some great majestic temple that the faithful could journey to. Praise the Lord when they needed a fine God. And we would today yet be making pilgrimages to see what it was all about. Was it any of these things? No, sir. But when God checked the veil off of that hidden wisdom and that mystery, the world shrank back in disbelief, in terror, in a refusal to accept what they were seeing for upon a little hill on the, praise God, in Judea, on the outskirts of Jerusalem, stood a cross, just a cross. I said just a cross. Two pieces of wood. That's all. Well, do you want do you want uh, cedar? Do you want spruce? Do you want mahogany? Do you want swirl walnut or some other exotic wood? After all of this is what everybody waited for. Praise God, then surely you'll want the best. No, sir, just any wood will do. It can be rough. Praise God, unsanded, unpolished, and unpainted. Just any wood, all we need is an upright beam and a cross member. Praise God. And uh, we all, we only need it for a piece of quick and nasty, necessary business. What do you need it for? What is that strange looking contraption supposed to do? All we want to do is kill a man on it. You mean that humanity waited for 4,000 years for just an execution? Yes, that's all he waited for. I'm telling you, it's not the complex answers. It's the simple things that confound the wise. Just the number, old rugged cross. And though on the surface it seems inferior to all of the great things that I just got through mentioning, all of them combined could not even begin to equal the effect and the influence that Calvary had on humanity. And though it was prepared hastily for a job of just short duration, I'm glad that I can say that it's still working in the world today. Many centuries later, 
we're still lifting our eyes toward Calvary. Praise God, help me tonight. This may not be what you came to hear, but I feel it just as sure as I've ever felt anything. Devils tried to rob me. Praise God of my strength today. Tried to defuse this message, but he's a liar in Jesus' name. We need to rediscover Calvary. Hallelujah. Praise God. I read a book recently by a man named Tom Wolfe. It's a book called The Right Stuff. It is an examination of the early years of the space program and the astronauts that were involved in it. And uh, he said that a peculiar thing started taking place back in the late 50s because while the United States was going along blissfully, praise God, in the uh, non-action of the Cold War, suddenly the Soviets launched a satellite called the Sputnik. Praise God, it doesn't seem like it would be all that earth-shaking. But suddenly America was concerned. The United States became nearly paranoid. If they're sending satellites into space, what's going to be next? It is obvious that world war will never be fought on the ground again. It will be fought with a ballistic flight of nuclear missiles. And if they have this advantage over us, these are numbered. And so the president launched us into a space program. They handpicked some astronauts. Praise the Lord, they were taken out from an industry that test flew airplanes. Praise God, actually, they were far overqualified for the job because all they had to do was just ride in a spaceship. They had very little to perform. It was all automated and done by computer. Praise God, so really the service was just as a figurehead. But suddenly, before anybody knew what was going on, the world turned its adoring faces toward these astronauts. This nation lavished them with their praise. Praise God, suddenly they were cheered and welcomed. They were given parades and all such like, and they hadn't even done anything yet. Praise the Lord. And Tom Wolfe explained it with this term. He said it was reflective of an ancient phenomenon called the single combat warrior. And it was for nations in the past, instead of going into wholesale warfare and spilling blood of thousands of men, they would choose out the best man of each side. Hallelujah. Praise God, and they would fight the two of them together, single combat warriors. Praise God, the Bible illustrates it with a story of David and Goliath. Praise God, Goliath said, send me a man to fight me. And the loser, his people will serve the other nation. It was a way of eliminating full-scale war. I'm glad that a young man came on the scene and said, why doesn't anybody go and fight him? Is there not a cause? 
Praise God. Then you see him when the battle is over being paraded through the streets. Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. Ah, and then I see God in the book of Isaiah, the 59th chapter looking down. And the Bible said, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness it sustained him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and for a helmet salvation. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Isaiah 53 says, To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? But I'm glad that an angel floated down from heaven one day and said to Joseph, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. See him rising up one day and saying, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Our single combat warrior. Praise God. Nobody will fight him. I'll go down and fight him myself. Praise God. The enemy is no match for those people. For a thousand years they've wandered around, bound helplessly in the grip of the forces that surrounded them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Look at him then. Finally, as it comes, hallelujah, in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, suddenly the crowds turned their adoring faces toward him, took off their cloaks, laid it in his path, and littered the street with palm leaves, and began to cry, Blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Praise God. And the Bible said that he went up and he spoiled principalities and powers. And he put them to an open shame. Calvary stripped the devil of his rank. Calvary aborted his influence. Calvary left him with just a bluff. I'm glad for Calvary. And we need to look again. Praise the Lord. Lowly and riding upon an ass. That's how he came. Not in the splendor, beautiful clothes. Praise God in a gold glittered chariot studded with precious stones. Praise the Lord. And yet, hallelujah, it became the act that took place out there became 
Although the simplicity of the world, they can't comprehend it. They don't know what it make of it. It became the power of God. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us that believe, it is the power of God. You hear me tonight? No salvation is possible without Calvary. Without it, praise the Lord, no consecration is attainable. Without it, no preaching is anointed. Without it, no revival is complete. Without it, healing would be an impossibility. Without it, deliverance could not be had. But I'm glad that through the centuries that have passed, nobody's lost in the quagmire of sin and degradation, stumbling around, not knowing where to go. Praise God, not knowing where to turn. For the Bible says they know not at what they stumble. Praise God, I'm glad that one day my knees bowed and kneeled before Calvary. And now we can sing in sin. I wondered, sore and sad, with bleeding heart and aching head. But Jesus came and sweetly said, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take your sins away. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Praise God, what is the purpose of this preaching? To destroy the wisdom of the wise. I got to thinking about that. And I went to a library and dug up just a few little things concerning some men that have been renowned as great, wise, and intellectual men. I read about Copernicus, who said that he was the first one to determine that the earth revolved around the sun. Everybody else before him said that everything revolved around the earth. The sun was the center of the universe. But Copernicus, with all his wisdom, never understood that, in truth, the sun, not S-U-N, but S-O-N, is the center of the universe. Praise God. Time is measured by Him. History orbits around Him. So much for Copernicus. I read about Johannes Kepler. He was known as the father of astronomy. He was one of the first, praise God, to develop the telescope where they could start searching the skies. And yet, though he could develop the telescope to look at stars, he never saw the day star rise for his soul. Praise God, and he could not view God with his eyes of faith. 
I read about Isaac Newton. He was the man, praise the Lord, that developed the law of gravity. Sitting under a tree, an apple fell. He made the observation, everything that goes up must come down. That's real profound, isn't it? But he was one of the first to make it. He developed the law of gravity and several other laws of motion. Praise God, they call them laws because they are immutable. They cannot be transcended. It is a must. But I hear Jesus saying, nobody takes my life from me. I'll lay it down when I get ready. And I'm going to pick it back up when I can get ready. And the Bible said that he that came down has ascended far above principalities and powers and dominions and every name that is named. Hallelujah. Praise God. Newton didn't know that someday there's going to be a great resurrection of God's people. Praise the Lord when they know grave going to hold our bodies down. And though he knew about the laws of motion, he didn't understand the forces that were warring for his soul. I read about Galileo. Galileo was considered, uh, considered math to be the only completely reliable form of logic, mathematics. Praise God, Galileo in all his wisdom never read what the psalmist said about the word of God. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. He never heard what Jesus said concerning the church. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Praise God, he never heard about the foundation. The foundation made up of apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And through the passes of passing of ages, I still read tonight, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. He never heard about a hope that was beyond this life that is a sure anchor to the soul. Einstein, praise the Lord, I read that he probably contributed more than any one person to learning in this age. Came up with a theory of relativity that allowed man with a relatively small bomb to wipe out two entire cities. The theory of relativity. He also said that no particle can travel at the speed of light. For the speed of light is the limit of velocity. So that is an indisputable barrier that cannot be crossed. Ah, but I'm glad, hallelujah, that I never read what Einstein said before I read my Bible. For now, when I fall on my face, and when gloom and sadness whisper, you sin, no use to pray. I look away to Jesus, and he tells me to say, 
I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. Its rays would sweep the throne of God. I reach the throne of God as sweeping over me. Have you ever bowed down to pray with a heavy heart and said, Oh, help me, Jesus. Wash me and make me clean. From 2,000 years ago, the rays of the blood of Calvary transcend time in a fraction of a moment and cleanse your heart. Praise God. I read Socrates was one of the founders of Greek philosophy. Praise the Lord. Socrates refused to claim to know anything. How could he be one of the founders if he refused to know anything? But I see Jesus coming. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I read about Aristotle. Praise God. He said that only through moral and intellectual attributes and virtues can man arrive at truth and happiness, which is his ultimate pursuit. And yet... He had no way to rid himself nor anybody around him from the condemnation that comes from sin. Praise God as Paul said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I read about Plato. Plato was one of the most brilliant figures of Western thought. He remains yet today quoted, and his books are widely read. He said that God was not omnipotent. He also said that in his bodily incarnation, praise God, the soul desires an immortality that is beyond its reach. I really chuckled at that one because I had to flip over to 1 Corinthians 15. Praise God, where the Bible said, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Please bear with me a little while tonight. I read, let me just mention one more. I read about a man named Sigmund Freud. He is the most widely studied character by modern psychologists and psychotherapists. And yet, this ignorant man wrote a crazy book entitled Moses and Monotheism, which is the theory, as they say, of one God. He said that Moses learned about monotheism from the Egyptians. Praise God. And that later, when he brought it to the Jew, he met with great, with great disturbance and resistance and finally died in an uprising. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But it's not so. For by faith, Moses, when he had come to years, praise God, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. 
praise God, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he and God has seen one who is invisible. Oh, where is the wise? Where is the prudent? Where is the disputer of this world? Where are the intellectuals? Bring them if you can and see if they can silence the message of Calvary. But the Bible says the world by wisdom knew not God with all their smarts ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. I didn't make excelling grades in all my subjects, but I'm glad one day sitting in an apostolic service came to my heart, and it's never let me go since then. Praise God. Hallelujah. Some people, some people would like to think that we should appeal to the intellectual to the wise, to the intelligent. We want to upgrade our methods of operation. Let us not embarrass the stiff shirts by doing any lowly thing like running an aisle, shouting, leaping for joy, screaming at the top of your voice. Don't you know that's foolishness? God has chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. Praise God. Others are embarrassed by the crudeness and the simplicity of some of our preachers. Praise the Lord. Now you hear me tonight. Praise God. Sitting right over here is a group of men. Some of them don't pronounce all their words just right. Some of them speak with a Texas slang. Praise God. Others speak with a Kentucky hillbilly accent. Praise God, things come out backwards sometimes. But let that man get behind a pulpit and start preaching about the death, burial, and the resurrection. And one God in his name is Jesus. And the Holy Ghost in filling. And hush your mouth, Copernicus. Hush your mouth, Socrates. Put your hand to your mouth, Aristotle. You're all fools before the mouths of babes and suckling. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. Let's just worship him a little while. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You see your calling, brethren, how there are not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Praise the Lord. When I see the Apostle Peter, an old rough fisherman, looking at some highbrow Pharisees and saying we must obey God rather than men, we're going to go on preaching in that name. For neither is there salvation in any other, but there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And they were amazed 
and they thought privately to themselves, how can these men talk like that, seeing they are unlearned and ignorant men? Hallelujah. But they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Praise God, some of these men never finished a high school education. As Brother Shepherd said last night, I know there is no premium on foolishness and ignorance. But I'm glad that you can't just learn this in the seminaries. You can't just learn this in the Bible schools. What matters is, have you been with Jesus? and signs and wonders. They were constantly probing Jesus. If you're the one, show us a sign. Herod said, show me a sign and I'll let you go. The Jews. We're still dealing with those two classes today. People of the Greek mentality walk in. Highly intellectual. Try to reason everything out. Praise God. Dissect it all. Examine it. The Jews come in so to speak sensational everything is just in a big hoopla praise the lord let me tell you something the jew and the greek has got to surrender at calvary for how how can the greek argue with a cross and what more sign does the jew mentality need praise god than the sign of that god made flesh hanging on a rugged cross. Praise the Lord. I read about Confucius. Confucius was really confused. He lived many thousands of years ago, several thousand years ago. He remains today in the country of China, its foremost figure. He is still called today as the supreme sage and foremost teacher. His temple can be found in over 2,000 counties in the country of China. And yet somebody asked him one day, what about spirits? His answer was, we don't know how to serve men yet. How can we know how to serve spirits? Somebody asked him then, what about death? He said, we don't know about life yet. How can we know about death? Praise the Lord. But I'm glad that I found that the Bible says, If I will be buried with him in baptism, I will rise up to walk in the newness of life. So much for what Confucius knows. Praise God. Who are these great men before Calvary? All the lies become as whimpering imbeciles. All the philosophers become as drooling idiots. All the masters and scholars become, praise the Lord, as babbling babes. And all the high brows and intellectuals become as the beasts of the field. No wonder Paul said, I counted all things but lost, that I may win Christ and be found in him. And then he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, no wonder as he preached Felix Tremont, 
And no wonder when he preached, Agrippa was disturbed and said, You've almost persuaded me. Don't give me the intellectual reasonings of man. Give me the foolishness of God, which is greater than the wisdom of man. What microphone can I walk with? Just a few moments. Praise the Lord. Somebody sung tonight the song. I'll be all right. I can touch Calvary. My message tonight is let us rediscover Calvary. Let's walk up to it and look again that we might gain a new appreciation for what we have. Yes, I'm thankful for the resurrection. I know that the Catholics, all they have is a figure on a cross. I'm thankful for the resurrection, praise God, and for Pentecost. But Calvary is what rent the veil so that I could walk through to the place of the glory of God. And yet to our modern society, as we come in and preen and primp and stand as though we are doing God a favor by being in church to many in this hour. Praise God that if a song doesn't turn out just right, they turn their noses up at it. The musicians mess up, they bust out laughing. Praise God that somebody testifies and gets all tangled up. And I know those things happen. Praise the Lord. And yet, it's all just a joke. To some people, Calvary is like an ancient dinosaur lumbering along that has no place in the 20th century. I submit to you, my friend, we would not have near the problems we have today if everybody went again to Calvary. Praise the Lord. Calvary can help us solve these problems. The problem of disunity. Praise God. Please, brethren, I am not qualified to say very much without getting my head whacked off. Praise the Lord. But the Bible still says how beautiful it is for brethren to dwell in unity. But how quick some are through every real or imagined provocation to withdraw into a little hole and sit there and waddle in their, praise God, self-pity and feel sorry for themselves. How quick are some to take the sword of their tongue, praise the Lord, and cut and slash and mutilate somebody who crossed them and sometimes publicly humiliate them. How quick we are to draw the sword. Now you hear me. I believe, praise God, that scriptural errors of our day should be challenged and challenge them we will. I believe that the doctrines must be preserved and maintained. And if it winds up leaving somebody a casualty, then too bad. But we've got to go on the truth. We'll march on. But can we justify ourselves sometimes for killing our brother without a cause? When all that is at stake is a personality difference 
or a character class. But I see Jesus coming out of the garden. Praise the Lord. He has prayed into an agony till his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood. Here's the mob approaching, does not run and hide. Goes out to meet him. He knows who's in that crowd. Praise the Lord. Judas walks up and kisses him. And Jesus said, Are you betraying me with a kiss, friend? And Peter drew his sword and said, The audacity. I'll whack his head off and cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And Jesus said, Put up your sword because if you live by it, you're going to die by it. I see him later blindfolded. Praise God, they put a purple robe on him and mocked him and a crown of thorns upon his head that pierced his brow and they took a rod and smote him on the head. They took their fist, balled it up and smacked it into his face, blooded his nose, blood no doubt coming out from nose and mouth and maybe even ears as well as they screamed out, tell us who it is that hit you. Praise the Lord. And yet the Bible said that Jesus opened not his mouth. And later on Calvary, when he was dying the most gruesome death known to man, and the angelic hosts of God covered the surrounding hillsides with drawn swords, waiting for just a brief nod or the slightest word from his lips, Finally, he opens his mouth. What does he say? Father, forgive them, for they, not, they know not what they do. We're always going to have problems. But I wonder how many of these disunity problems would be solved if we would just all walk to Calvary and take the ribbons and the medals off our chest. Take all the rank off our shoulder and stand hand in hand. We of the truth now. Stand hand in hand and say we are brothers. We're all just sinners saved by grace. None of us deserve it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I wonder if we would have so many problems with issues in our day if we would take an honest look at Calvary issues oh God there's so many of them and many of them are very legitimate and they should be examined debated praise the Lord they should be preached about and considered we should not hide them we should expose them and examine them whether they be good or whether they be bad but sometimes we resemble just a bunch of little boys out on the play field, tossing a ball around from one to the other. 
going through the same little slogans, the same little rituals, the same little, praise God, the cliches over and over again. I was praying last night, during the night, about this. And I wish, I wish that I could recapture the feeling that I felt. Oh, God! Praise the Lord. I know that conference time ought often be times to rally to different causes and to bring out to the focus certain issues. But every so often, I would like to just forget about issues and walk and kneel before Calvary again and become as a child. I don't know about you, but I need Calvary. I feel the well pulling on me every single day. I need a new washing. I need a regeneration. How long has it been since we have allowed the Spirit of Almighty God to overcome our program? be all right. I can just touch Calvary. Praise the Lord. We come sometimes with so much of the load of our cares and we leave with them even heavier. Have resolved nothing. Have concluded nothing. Praise the Lord. Oh, some people may not be liking this. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that we should not. <clears throat> tried to resolve them but I think a lot of the issues would just disappear if we stood at Calvary as we look at Jesus carrying on his cross or carrying on his back the old rugged cross praise the Lord that old rough splintery beam as it lay upon his back his back lacerated and shredded and torn and bleeding from the awful scourging that he had received. Many going along with him that had stood and watched the beating. And as the man that held the whip, praise the Lord, swung it across the air and let it fall with a crack on his back. It slung his blood on the bystanders. It speckled the clothing, the faces, the bodies of those that were around him. And yet, as they go along, they kick him. Praise the Lord, they hurl their curses at him. Yet he bore the load so that we would not have to. I'll try to hurry tonight. Praise God. Would we have so much trouble with holiness? If we really stood at Calvary. Young ladies, and there seems to be a rash of it going on, cutting their hair, defying the teaching of their preachers, praise the Lord, pushing and probing to see how far they can go and steal advantage of a man's uh, ongoing years, the long years of hardship and battle. Praise the Lord to twist his arm and make him yield and relent on some former standards. Don't tell me it's not happening. I've seen it happen. Praise God. 
Young man, praise the Lord, who cares what the punkers do? Who cares what the modern rock symbols and country and western stars are? Who cares, young lady, about the styles and fads of the world? Look at Calvary. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. The great God of holy of heaven, who is holiness at his most pure, hallelujah, praise God, allowed him to strip him and hang him in open shame so that we might be clothed with the robes of righteousness and then you sell it to the dogs and trample it in the streets. Go back to Calvary and fall in love with his holiness again. Praise the Lord. But I hate the ridicule of the world. The Bible says, Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your own minds. Praise the Lord. Would we have such a trouble getting a real passion for the lost if we walked to Calvary again? Praise the Lord. Would we have trouble getting people to fast and pray? and travail and intercede. Oh, these are old-fashioned. But let me tell you, that's what brought revival in the old days. And if, if we do have any revival, that's the way it's going to come today. Praise the Lord. But when we get down to pray, we pray just for ourselves. Give me this, I need that. And I'd like to have the other. Praise the Lord. And would it be hard? Would it be hard to pray and consecrate and miss a few meals? We stood and looked at him as he endured the mockery, the scorn and criticism of the bystanders. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. And upon him was placed the sins of the whole world. He drank that bitter cup. You hear me. The greatest suffering of Calvary was not the scourging at the whipping post. It was not the crown of thorns that bit into his brow. The greatest suffering of Calvary, praise the Lord, was not, it was not when they pierced his hands and feet with the nails. It was not when they thrust vinegar and gall into his mouth when he thirsted. The greatest suffering of Calvary was that he who knew no sin in that moment of time there was placed upon him every lowly, rotten, vile thing that has ever been committed. And in that moment he became the most despised creature under the face of the sun. No one of the righteousness of God pulled back and refused any fellowship with it. And Jesus cried out, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? You think we care? The Bible says we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God. Praise the Lord. We esteemed him that way. And yet he did it. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
the chastisement of our peace was upon him by his stripes we are healed look at his passion for the lost you won't mind sacrificing to see revival and the church grow and souls come in may not be in a wholesale scale but i wish to god that every church when a sinner walked in praise the lord they would at least feel the presence of that individual and say in their hearts oh god let something take place in this service that will get a hold of that individual I'm getting ready to close here before long. Praise the Lord. Give that to Brother Evans, please. I love the cord will reach. Praise the Lord. I'm running into more and more young people that are leaving the church. And not just backsliding for the world. They're becoming agnostics. Where they no longer even believe or know whether they believe in God. You say, oh, they're just stretching it. That's what you think. Praise the Lord. They're walking away. They're saying, I don't know. God never proved himself to me. Young man made that statement to me here not too long ago. And I'm running across more and more of them. What is the reason? I'll tell you what the reason is. They never looked. For if they had, as the darkness covered the earth, and the sun hid its face, and the sun, the, the birds quit their singing, and the earth began to shake to try to vomit out the immaculate blood that was pouring into it. Praise God! There was a centurion, a pagan standing below, who smote his breast and said, Surely, this was the Son of God. You'd never doubt His existence. If you stood at Calvary, and there are others such as some we have in this building right now, who do stand there, but they remind me of the men in the 27th chapter of Matthew, of whom the Bible says, they parted His garments, and then sitting down, they watched him there. Calloused, indifferent, untouched, unmoved, unaffected. Oh, how we preach and we beg and we plead. And oh, how rare it is to see a tear stream down somebody's face. It's all gotten old to us. We need to push back the muddle of our lives, our problems, and our cares, and rediscover the jewel. That is Calvary. Praise the Lord, Brother Evans. You could come, please. I've done my best. And I'm afraid that I have not really conveyed what I wanted to convey. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us who believe it is the power of God. 
If this is foolishness to you, you're going to die a spiritual death just as sure as I'm standing here. Would you look on those scenes? Bring them back before you. Hallelujah. Man, woman, walk away from your old daily life and step aside to look again. I promise you, you'll go back into your life with renewed enthusiasm. He made it all possible. I'm so glad He did. Praise the Lord. Young man, stand at Calvary as you see His emaciated form for His visage was marred more than any man's. Cut, bleeding, tattered. Say, I will become a champion of the cross. I will not submit to the pressures of this world. I'm going to be a specialty, a rarity. I'm going to pledge the rest of my life to that cause. Young lady, make up your mind to become a banner of holiness and purity so that when somebody looks at you, praise God, they can say, there goes one of them. Brethren, preachers, just a young voice tonight. Crying out. But Paul said, I determine not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Would it be out of order in a conference to bow our heads and contemplate this and think about it and let those waves? Sweep over us as Brother Evan. Praise the Lord. On a rugged hill stood a rugged cross. And upon that cross there hung in shame God's beloved Son, Christ. That lowly one who from glory to the sinner came. Hear it, hear it. Calvary. Oh, Jesus. Rugged hill of sorrow where the prince of glory die for me wounded crushed and broken hearted low he suffered untold agony oh my god he was sinless oh jesus Oh, he was sinless, but still he bore my burden. That from sin and shame I might be free. What a glorious day when he took my sins away. 
on a cross of Calvary. On a rugged cross stood a mocking throng, scorning him who came to save the lost. But it was not in vain that my Redeemer came to redeem my soul at a priceless cost. Calvary, rugged hill of sorrow. Where the Prince of Glory died for me Wounded, crushed, and broken-hearted Lo, he suffered untold agony Sinless but still he bore my burden That from sin and shame I might be free Jesus. Oh, what a glorious day When he took my sins away on the cross of Calvary Praise God I wonder if we could all stand and sing the chorus together
my trophies and land on Oh, I'll carry that If you want to come a little closer, kind of move up the next Come on, come on, young people, all over the building. Oh, I'm gonna Please. 